Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. Gina Sorrell is the author of The Wise Women, a novel. After two decades of working as an actor, Gina returned to her first love, writing. A graduate of the UCLA Extension Writers Program, she is the author of Mothers and Other Strangers and The Wise Women. She balances the solitary hours of fiction writing with work as a creative director and brand storyteller under the banner of her agency, Words Make the Brand. Originally from Johannesburg, Gina has lived in New York and Los Angeles and now lives in Toronto with her family. Welcome, Gina. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss the wise women. 
Thank you so much for having me. This is an absolute pleasure. And I don't know if you know this, but um, during the pandemic, I listened to you constantly. You're on all of my walks. You're all of my breaks when I was trying to find connected to writing, when I felt like I was just separated from that whole world and I couldn't find my way back in. I would just listen to your podcast and I would laugh out loud and have all the neighbors worry about me as I would just, you know, check in with my old friends. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was, it was really, it was such a strong tie to this world and that world that, you know, I felt like I was just so separate from. And so thank you so much for doing it. And now to be on it is like, it, you know, it, it really is, it's such a thrill. It's such a thrill. Had you already, thank you, by the way, that is so nice of you. And, True. you know, I got as much out of doing the podcast throughout the pandemic as probably anybody who listened to it. It was my sanity vehicle. But w- was this the book you were working on at the time? Like, Yeah, I was actually, well, we were, we, I sold the book in 2020. And so, but in September of 2020, you know, and so I was in the revisions, like we, ha- I had just got my agent in the beginning of the year. And then, so, you know, it was all these things, like the world was looking one way, right? Entirely, you know, and I had an agent and I was starting to do the revisions and then things started to get a bit, you know, questionable what was happening. Things were shutting down. I had just gotten back from a trip and I noticed that there's a lot more hand sanitizer and a lot more masking. And yeah, and then as we all know, everything shut down entirely. And so I was doing these revisions and trying to stay in that really buoyant place that I wanted the book to have, you know, mm-hmm. while also facing a really uncertain future, which all of the women and the wise women are as well. So it was interesting how that kind of all happened at the same time. And I think it deepened the book too. And I think it gave me like a greater understanding of just how quickly things can turn, you know, and how we all have to pivot. So that was that was something that was just really strange how that lined up. Yes, truth, stranger than fiction or whatever the expression is. Yeah, that's yeah, even applicable. <laughs> well, I just love these wise women. I mean, they're so fabulous, all of them. And you do such a good job of crafting different characters so that you feel like you know them. Wendy is hilarious. Like I could see, I mean, the 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 secret husband and like their relationship and like even little things like how he hides her iPad to get her to calm down, which of course is never going to make her calm down. You know, I feel like I might share too many things with Wendy that I don't want to admit. You know, this sort of like compulsion oh, okay. and, <laughs> and the daughters. I mean, they're all, all of them and the way that the story unfolds and everything. It's like delicious and delightful all at the same time. And, you know, even the different generations, like all the old fashioned advice versus, yeah. you know, it's just really awesome. Oh, oh my gosh. No, thank you so much. That really means a lot. I, I love these women, you know, and I think you're, I think you're right when you say that you could be Wendy, I could be Wendy. You know, I feel like there's, what I was hoping is that, is that people would see that there's a bit of themselves in all these women. Yes. You know, I mean, I think that Wendy's really well-meaning, right? She's a bit of a meddling mother. You know, I have a mother who's very well-meaning, can be a bit of a meddler, you know, but I myself have often given unsolicited advice many times. <laughs> and I can't stop myself, you know, and I'll say, now I at least say to people, forgive me if I'm, but like, like I'm going to yeah. stop. I'm going to do yeah, it. Anyway. I- <laughs> so much like I'm just going to launch in and be like, but anyways, yeah. my mom's favorite saying is to say, um, you know, well, if you want my two cents, and I'm like, before I can say, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Out of her mouth, right? You know, and, and Barb bears a lot of responsibility for her family. And yeah. I, I know what that's like, you know, when you're the person who you want everybody to get along or you want you take on extra responsibilities because you can. And because you can, then people think that they can just 
expect more from you or Mm -hmm. do more, you know, and I'm sure that's something that you can relate to, you know, doing all the many things that you do, you know, there's that, that fine line where people start to think, oh, well, this is just who you are, but it's also a learned skill. And it's both a blessing and a curse because the better you get at it, the more you take on, you know, and increases your responsibilities. And so I think that that's something that Barb is really struggling with in the book. And then, you know, in Clementine, I'm a mom and I'm a mom to a son. I just have, I have one child, not a jest. I have one amazing child. I hit the jackpot. And, uh, and I love how you said that in the book too, how like there was all this pressure about yeah. having you have a second. You always had to be like, well, we're just gonna have one, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have one. You know, they're not shoes. You don't yeah. need a pair, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. That's what you family, said. Yeah, every family is different, but I would do anything for my kid, mm-hmm. you know? And that's how, that's how Clementine feels. I think that's how a lot of moms feel, you know? And we take on so many extra responsibilities and we push ourselves, not just for ourselves, but because we're doing it for our, our children, you know, and so there's a bit of me in every single one of the wise women. And I was hoping that readers would see that as well. Absolutely. Especially, I mean, Jonah's not, I don't want to say like full on special needs, but his, his he has anxiety. Yeah. He has yeah. anxiety and, and really focuses intently on different things and likes his routines the way they are. And I, I just so felt it when, when Clementine's life was totally getting all just turned upside down. And she was sort of like, I could deal with it, but Jonah, you know, like he yeah. finally, we finally got it. We've got the tree house. We've got the backyard. We've got like, everything is set. How can I disrupt that? And like, I found myself reading being like, I don't know, like, like find a way, like, how can we solve this problem? You know, <laughs> make this work for Jonah. Yeah. It's true though. I, I, I mean, I think that being settled is something that we all want, you know, we want it mm-hmm. for ourselves we want it for our families, but we especially want it for our children, you know, just that they feel that they have a place where they belong and that they feel that they're good, you know? And I know for myself, for my own son, I, you know, I, I, I'm always was looking at schools for him. Like, where is a good school for him? Like, where is he going to be happy? Where's a good community? You know, we moved back from California, my husband and I, we were there for 10 years and we came back and I was like, this is a huge upheaval for him. And the first thing that I thought of was where's a good school? Where can we go? What's a great neighborhood? You know, we ended up renting the house right across the street from my parents where they lived Cause I was like, okay, here's some anchors, you know, and you want to give your children those anchors. So that was something that I, 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 yeah, that was just, that came out in the book for sure. For me. What part of California were you in? We were in Los Angeles. Oh, nice. And so why did you leave? Well, my husband and I were both actors. He still is. And so we had gone down for pilot season a couple of years in a row. And then we decided to get our green cards and we moved because we were going to just work full time, you know, in the acting industry. That was our plan. (laughs) That's everyone's plan, right? And then in my first year there, I really struggled. Like I didn't love Los Angeles the way that I thought I would love Los Angeles. I loved New York. I moved to New York, you know, for theater school when I was much younger. And I instantly was like, this is home. I got it. I understood it. It just made sense to me. But I'm not someone who loves to drive. And I I travel everywhere on foot. And Los Angeles was really challenging, you know, and which is very spread out. And so, and I also spent so much time there waiting. Like in Canada, I was busier as an actor. There's more work. It doesn't pay as well. You know, there's, but you, you can work more often. Right. And there, like I would get a gig and it's great. And, you know, it might be lucrative, but there could be like six months in between mm-hmm. and the waiting I'm not good with. I'm a busy person. I like to feel creative. I like to feel like I'm doing something. And so 
in between one of these gigs, I decided to take a writing course at UCLA Extension. And that's where I met my writing mentor, uh, which is Caroline Levitt, who- Oh, you know, I love I, Caroline Levitt. Yes. I love Caroline. I adore her. And yep. uh, and now she's a really good friend of mine. You know, we became Aww. really good friends. So I was taking the course and then I thought, oh, there's more courses I can take. And being a bit type A, I was like, oh, wow, they have this creative writing program for three years. I could do that. And so, you know, I ended up taking their creative writing program at UCLA Extension and I just, in long form fiction, and I just loved it. And Caroline Levitt was a huge champion of mine and still is. She's a great friend. And she really cheerleaded me through the whole process of getting my first book out into the world. You know, she read my first manuscript and she was like, this is a novel, you have to finish it. And so I did. And I just, I had great teachers there. Robert Evers is another great teacher, but it just going to UCLA, it changed my life. And it made me realize that although I'd gone to Los Angeles to be an actor, the thing I love most about acting and I always love most about acting is the storytelling. You know, I would spend all my time with my scripts, you know, or with my plays when I was in New York. Like that's the thing I loved the most. And as an actor, you only do part of that, you know, and you often have to wait for the opportunity or wait for the right agent or wait for the right casting director or the callback. You're always waiting. And I just, I'm not good with it, as I said. And so to have a chance to just work on story, I was like, you know, maybe this is what I really should be doing. And writing had always been my first love. And I'd always written to give myself opportunities like plays or short Mm -hmm. films. So it really gave me a chance to return to it. Well, now you can turn this into... And, you know, because now it's like a thing already. Is it being <laughs> yes, turned into something? I hope so. It's being looked at, which is nice. And so, you know, fingers crossed, it would be really great. I, I mean, I would love that. And of course, I don't want any part in it. You know, maybe like somebody off in a corner, like sipping coffee or something. Right. You know? <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been in front of the camera and I'm much happier, much happier in front of the only screen being my computer screen. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm most comfortable these days. Were you, and sorry, I should know this, were you in no. anything like everybody would yeah you know I I did I did a lot of sketch comedy and so Mm -hmm. I was at Second City I did the touring company there I did Second City main stage and then I did a lot of family shows I did a show called The Naughty Shop based on the Enid Blyton books from Britain Mm -hmm. and that's a BBC kids production I did that for a couple of years that was my first big gig and it was uh, as an animal rescuer so I worked with animals and children and puppets the three like the trifecta (laughs) of things you're not supposed to do (laughs) (laughs) terrifying. So it was a lot of fun. And it was a whole, like a whole who's who of Canadian comedy actors, which was really nice. And then I did a show called The Zach Files and another show for BBC called I Love Mummy, where there's a mummy in our, um, as one, as happens, we discovered a mummy living in our attic. who's like a teenage (laughs) boy, you know, and uh, as one does. And, you know, it has smaller parts and bigger films, like uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. You know, I was a sarcastic vegetarian waitress and things like that, that were, you know, that were a lot of fun. It's funny because my last gig that I ended up doing in Los Angeles was on, I want to say it was on uh, Law and Order Los Angeles, I think it was. And it was a Canadian director who I knew and like who I knew of, who had gone down there to work. And I was just sort of deciding whether or not I was going to come back and do it. And I think at the time I was pregnant with my son, but I hadn't told anyone. Mm. And he was talking about, what are you going to do next? I'm like, well, there's this thing, you know, and I'm also writing. He's like, my wife is an author. And he went out, he got her, like her book from the trunk of his car and he handed (laughs) it to me. And I was just like, okay, this is a sign. You know, these are all like things that like, I'm in, like, this is the perfect gig to go out on with like a great show that I'd always watch, you know, Law and Order. And, and it was a really nice part. And the crew was great. It was Canadian director and writer. I was just like, it all just seemed to be like, it's okay. You can, you can go off, Jada, you can do this. 
Well, now my takeaway from that is I will now stock my husband's car with my books. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, you just have them in the trunk. You're such a good guy. He goes, oh, you have to. Yeah, you have to. You have oh to my have, gosh. Have that's a box in the trunk all the time. <laughs> I should keep them in my own trunk. That's really that's funny. Nice. I know. That's silly. Anyway, very probably funny. upset with all these famous people too, right? So they could hold up and take a picture, which is something, you know. Oh, that's another good. Look at you. Always marketing. I like it. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. No, we were joking before we started recording about, you know, the marketing of books and the packaging and how much I was saying how much I adore this cover, which for those listening is, you know, my favorite color blue background with these bright, beautiful, hot pink and orange and sort of neon green flowers on the outsides, which I didn't describe very well with like a lime green spine with hot pink and blue. I mean, it's so fun. It's so great. Wait, tell me about the process of arriving at this. Well, I love the cover. So I'm glad you love it too. I really love it. And I think a cover is so important. And I know we're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but we know we do. And there's such competition out there, right? That if it can catch somebody's eye, then, you know, encourage them to pick it up, like all the better. For me, I always... I want the cover to either communicate something that happens within the book, but there's so many different things going on in this book that I thought it's just going to be a jumble. It's going to be a mess, you know? And so the other thing that I thought of is what if I could convey the feeling of the book, you know, make the cover evocative of that. And this book is really intended to be hopeful. You know, even though it starts off with all of the three wise women in crisis at the beginning of the book, facing a future that looks really uncertain It's the idea that they come together. You know, they're all very different, like all those different colors of the flower, you know, and they come together and that there is something better on the horizon, even though the future isn't necessarily what they thought it would look like. It's possible that it could be even better than they hoped. And so I wanted that things, that feeling of things are looking up, that blue sky, you know, brighter days ahead. And so that when people looked at, they had that feeling. And that's what I really hope would also carry once they opened up the book. I love that. That's cool. See, I didn't even think blue sky when I looked at that, but I just, but I got the same vibe. So I guess that's. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's happy making. It's happy making. (laughs) That's at least I hope it is. (laughs) And have you been surprised by sort of the machinery required to get a book into the world so far? Yeah, I I have, you know, it's interesting because this is, 
in many ways, it's my debut because it's my first at a big house, you know, and, but I had a book before this five years ago, a much smaller book called Mothers and Other Strangers. And that was at an indie press. And so I worked really, really, really hard to spread the word about that book. I mean, everything about that book was hard getting, you know, finding an agent for that book was hard. Getting a publisher for that book was hard. And then the book did really well considering, and it was really well received. I'm very proud of it had nice reviews and all of that goodness. But I just, I felt like I pounded the pavement. Like talk about like having books in the trunk of your car. Like that was, me. you know, I was like, oh, hey, I noticed you've got this little free stand here. What, would you like a book here? Would you like a book? I could consign you some books. I remember saying, I remember going into bookstores with my book and being like, I could just give you 10 copies. And if you don't sell them, you can just give them back to me. And they're like, okay, it's not how it works. <laughs> so, you know, people were really great about it, but I was really pounding the pavement because we had limited resources, you know, so I had hired an independent publicist and, and we worked, you know, sort of hand in hand and everybody did as much as they could, but it was all hands on deck. So this time around, you know, I met a much bigger publisher. I'm with Harper Collins and they're wonderful and they've been incredibly supportive and it's a really great team, but I still hired an independent publicist because that's just what I know. And, and that's how I feel comfortable. And I like to be really involved and I can't annoy them all the time at HarperCollins, but, you know, and so I was just, I guess I just felt like it would be maybe easier in some ways to launch a book in the world. And I don't think it is, you know, I think it's always all hands on deck because it's like, I've taken that whole experience and I've just put it into another sphere. You know, there are more books, there's more exposure there. The stakes are higher. You know, the authors who I'm hoping to share shelves with, you know, are at a higher, like you have a higher profile. So I feel like everything has been raised in terms of stakes and expectations, you know, especially and on myself as well. So that has been really, it's been really demanding and it's part of the process. And I'm so used to, I told myself so I wasn't going to use this word as much anymore, but it really does fit of hustling. You know, I'm so used to hustling and getting the world word out and making my own opportunities and creating that, that now I'm just bringing all of that to a team that can really run with it as well and support me with that. So that's been a really positive change, but it's a lot, you know, as we were talking earlier, you, you have to get people to go from, Hey, I heard you have a book to, Oh, I saw you've got this great review. That's so excellent. Oh, I saw your book in the bookstore. So then buy the book, (laughs) which is is challenging. And I know that not everyone can buy books. So I'll say things like request it at your library. Like Mm -hmm. you can get them to buy a copy. That's great. You know, and if they see that that copy is taken out, then maybe they'll buy five or 10 or 15, you know, but it's just, and I have friends who will say like, I'm wait, I'm just going to wait till the paperback. And I think, okay, but (laughs) so far from now, you know, like we'll see what happens. And I have other friends, you know, I have a bunch of friends who are like, yeah, I bought 10 copies and that's it. I'm giving it to everybody for their birthday. This is it, you know, and these poor people, like every time I write a book, they know this is all they're getting for their birthday. (laughs) A couple of my girlfriends are like, oh, we're getting your friend's book again. Yep. You're getting my friend's book. (laughs) happy birthday happy thanksgiving whatever it is like it's you know one of my friends is actually an old neighbor of mine she's lovely she said you know what I just decided that nobody needed any more wine when they invited me over for dinner so I brought them a book instead and I said oh that's great thank you and she she did that for a whole year and she was very popular so it made yeah, it yeah I was gonna say <laughs> This one woman's social life, making or breaking a book, yeah, you know? Making, yeah, she moved me on up. Moving a market. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. It's challenging. And you have a new book out, right? So you I have do. Charming yeah. out, which is beautiful. And I can see it behind you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I have to take them off the shelf. Yeah. I have a new book out, but yeah. And it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But yeah, it's so funny because I remember being in high school, my high school English teacher had a book come out. And I think by that point we were all in college. And so a bunch of us went to his reading at Barnes and Noble or something like that. And of course I like bought the book, right? We all brought them. He was signing, blah, blah. And then my one friend was like, she went right up to the counter and she's like, I'm going to wait for the paperback. And I was like, you can't say that. And she's like, what do you mean? And she's like, I always wait for the paperback. I was like, but you can't just like go up to the author and then like not buy the book when he's trying to sell the book. But anyway, but actually, you know, it's fine. A lot of people only, only want paperbacks, which is, which is fine. But then I was even talking to people on my, I'm like, why, why don't, why doesn't everyone just release a paperback at the same time as a hardback? It is interesting. When I did Mothers and Other Strangers, it was only released as one of those beautiful uh, trade paperbacks, right? Yep, it, was yep. really, it was gorgeous, but that's how they were doing it. And, and it did, I think, help people. They had no choice. Mm-hmm. There was no waiting. They, they had nothing to tell me. You know, they had to yeah. get it. But, no um, but I, I get it. Like there are so many books out there. It's so hard, you know, and, you know, books can be expensive and, you know, I don't blame anybody for, for doing whatever they do. I just hope that they read it and even if they like it, maybe they can just spread the word. Or if they're not buying it yep. for themselves, they can say, oh, my friend read this book. You would love it for your book club. You know, yep. all of that, all of that goodwill, all of that support and that cheerleading, in whatever way is available to them, really does make a big difference. Totally. Yeah. Emma's all the reviews, everything. Everything makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, it all makes a difference. It really <laughs> does. You know, I have my like I have friends and family who go into the bookstores and if they see that it's you know, not displayed in the way that they like, they shift it, <laughs> you, know, or they, you know, or they'll like turn the cover out. So it faces the person <laughs> rather than being in the shelf, you know, yep. and then they'll send me a picture and you know, that just, it keeps us going. Right. It's, it's just nice. I to mean, the going. market has, has turned all the authors into like, you know, these covert operatives, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, what can we do to, to help it along? Well, yeah. you do, you do it to help it along, right? You have this podcast. You yes. Know? I'm trying, I'm trying. And, you know, with the publishing company, we're trying to do things differently to, to help, but you know, it, it is hard. And, uh, but all I can do is try. So better than do. not trying. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think it all makes a difference. Yes. I think it all makes a difference. Will there be any follow-ups with the wise women? Are you carrying their story on in any way? Are you doing a different book next? What's your plan? You know, I've had a couple of people say, oh, I'd like to know what happens next with these women. And I think, I mean, for me, I wonder about also what happens next with them, you know, but, but I, I love spending time with them, you know, and I think that it was, it was the, you know, the books, you know, the book picks up right as they're all in crisis, right? The beginning of the book, they're all, it's all, it all takes place in New York city. It picks up all when these women are different crises in their lives and they all have to rally together and, you know, overcome their hurts and obstacles and face this uncertain future, you know, move forward. And I know that logically it makes sense that then where do they go from here? And I've had some mm-hmm. people say, I'd love to see where Wendy goes next. You know, I'd love to see where some of the extra characters like, you know, like Samantha Love, the influencer, what happens to her? What does she do next? And so that's always a possibility, but I am actually working on something entirely different right now. You know, I'm working on a story of, of um, three friends who were all, they were all working together sort of at a pivotal time in their lives. Like in their early twenties, they met in college, they did a film together. The film was really successful. It affected all of their lives very differently. And we get to see that for a decade. And then on their 40th, well, a couple of decades, and then on their 40th birthday, they take this big trip to New York and something happens that causes them to not speak. You know, two of them get back in touch, one not at all, for another 10 years. 
when they reunite at the film festival that kind of brought them all together in the first place. And so that one's really a book about second chances and, you know, second chances in love, second chances at a career, second chances at friendship. And so I'm having fun exploring that. And that's what it is right now. And we'll see what it ends up being by the time I'm finished revising it. I'm in the revision stage. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, it is exciting. And I think that's the best thing to do when you're writing is to write something else. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's just like have something else going, you know, so you're not perseverating on what's going on over here with my book and all of that stuff is just, there's just always, you can, that's the only thing you can control is the writing. And so that's what I like to focus on as much as I can. That's true. It's a hundred percent true. Well, for anyone listening, the wise women with this bright blue and pink and orange cover, you will see it at your bookstore. Face it forward. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Buy a copy or take a picture of you with it, at least to help spread the word or something like that. And yeah, congratulations, Gina. It's it's really awesome. I really love the way you write. I'm going to go back and get your other book now. And yeah, I can't wait to see what you come up with next. I'm so glad. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's so great to be here and and best of luck with your book. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, We'll have to chat again and see. Well, I'll see you. I'll see you pounding the pavement, holding up, you know, pictures of your book and I'll be doing the same. Yes. (laughs) All right. Okay, Gina, take care. Have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.